Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Joe Phillips. Joe is committed to communicating the good news of Jesus anywhere and in any way possible. He accomplishes this as a public speaker, a comic, an author, an actor, and a filmmaker. He's been a pastor, denominational leader, Bible teacher, coach, and missionary. In this episode, Joe unpacks ideas like art and evangelism, how to leverage creativity for the kingdom, and he shares about his novel entitled Irrevocable. It's going to be a fun one, everybody, so lean in, leaders, and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Avail Podcast, where we talk about the art of leadership. We love talking about leadership and we love talking to people who are making an impact in this world with the tools, resources, and giftings that God has given them. Today, we are sitting down with none other than Joe Phillips. Joe, we're honored to have you here on the Avail Podcast. How are you feeling, sir? I'm feeling great and the honor is mine. Thank you, sir. Hey, we're going to talk about a lot of things. You're a creative guy. I got some creative in me, uh, but, but I think there's some great things that our Avail audience is going to be able to glean from this conversation. Before we jump into kind of your heart, how God has used you and wired you uh, to, to share the gospel in so many different ways and some of your experiences, before we do that, can you just share a little bit about yourself so our Avail audience can lean in and get to know who is Joe Phillips? Oh, sure. We're glad to. I was born um, to a a mentally ill woman. She had two very severe mental illnesses, and she was borderline for a third. She was on her way to get an illegal abortion. That's how old I am. Her sister, Zelfia Madonna Phillips, talked to my mother, Glenola Sue Mills, out of getting the abortion and said, just let the child be born, see what it might become. But she was so mentally ill, she was dysfunctional. She lived with her parents, and that's where I lived my first three years. And Mm. she me in the attic uh, when I cried. She told me that herself. She abused me. And uh, uh, it was a tough way. And then at, at the age of three, she gave me to my first cousin. So I tell people with the judge's signature in 1967, my cousin became my dad. My mom became my aunt. My aunt became my grandmother. And my grandparents became my great grandparents. And that's why I flunked most of my math growing up. <laughs> Life was really good until it wasn't. My adopted wow. dad, um, he got severely beaten in Tampa, Florida. They stole his car. They, they uh, ran him through fire ants. We were living in the Midwest. And it, he had to have kind of almost reconstructive stuff done. So it changed his personality. It changed everything in his life. And when that happened, life got really, really hard for me. I lived with lots of families growing up in high school. Um, and a math teacher at an inner city school in the fourth high school, in the fourth state, in the fourth year of my high school career, the, the math teacher took an interest in me and took me to a church. And uh, I actually accepted the Lord in a nightclub. Wow. Uh, I heard the voice of God 40 years and seven months ago say, I love you. I've got something better for you than this. I was so poor. I was broke. I had two pairs of pants. I had no car, no shot to go to college. But as soon as I gave my heart to the Lord, it's like he put me on a moving sidewalk. And uh, I got a basketball scholarship. I played at two different universities my sophomore year. God called me into the ministry. And so I started in South Florida and I've been moving around the country. Now I've been uh, doing evangelism for 15 years full time. 
Wow. That's awesome. Um, you know, I think you have a way, you have a way, Joe, with, with words and storytelling because you are, you have a, a creative wiring and also an artistic uh, ability. I can tell just by that story. Nobody's ever told their story quite like you just did right now. Uh, and I think you have a way of saying it with grace, but also there's uh, in the midst of a lot of what, of a lot of pain and hurt and, uh, uh, and what the enemy probably would have wanted to see just for damage. And somehow God turns things around uh, and I love stories like that. Um, you know, I, I'd love to start our conversation um, on on the side of of just of creativity. You 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 you're obviously you're a speaker, you're a communicator, you've pastored, you've led in the church, but you're also uh, a comic. You're an actor. You're an author. You're a filmmaker. Um, how, how does this? What did this? Did this show itself early on in your, even in your childhood? Was there a moment where, where the creativity and artistic uh, abilities came alive specifically? Talk to us a little bit about that. Great question. Well, what the devil means for evil, the Lord turns into good. And so when you're given away and rejected as a kid, um, it does something to you. Well, your grandmother says, I don't want this kid in my house. Who, who doesn't want a three-year-old? I was a cute little three-year-old kid. I saw a picture <laughs> <laughs> so I cope with that by saying early on, I'm going to be the funniest guy in every room I go into. You can't wow. give away the funny guy. Right. But, uh, even though I was a coping mechanism, the Lord kind of used comedy and then doing youth ministry for 15 years to try to keep the attention of 250 students. You've got to be a little bit creative. So I did illustrative stuff, illustrated sermons. Um, I've been doing that my whole life, but it really kind of got on steroids in the last 11 years. It really, really kind of, because I think people, there's a different unction, a different function, a different anointing on an evangelist than there is a pastor. And I've yeah. done both. I've done both. People will come up to me in interim situations, say, oh, we wish you were our pastor. We'd have services like this all the time. And I tell them, no, you wouldn't. I did pastor for years. We almost right. never had a service like this. It's just, a, it's just a function of the office. Yeah. So I use uh, stage productions, films, and comedy shows as bait because somebody might go to see that that will never go to a revival service. Right. Hopefully they come into the kingdom and then they'll go to the revival service. Okay, so 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 help me here and help connect the dots. So, because this is great. You, you have the perspective of a pastor because you've pastored. Mm -hmm. You have the perspective of an evangelist who can, you know, who can, who can kind of come in and, and bring a, a word from the Lord and reach a lot of people. You have the perspective of, of, a, of an artist, right? Um, first, which one do you enjoy the most <laughs> first? And then secondly, how, how do you, how do you see, do you see people marrying these well? Because I don't know that all pastors or churches or ministries do a good job of connecting all these aspects. But so, so the first one is which, which one, which role uh, and position do you feel like you, you, you enjoyed the most or you like the most? I love the, the term Pastor Joe. And I sat on the Ohio River when I was pastoring and had to answer this fundamental question. It took me two years to do it. Am I a pastor that must do the work of an evangelist or am I an evangelist that has a pastor's heart? Okay. There is a, it sounds like the same thing, but there is, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a distinction. 
And after two years of praying, I said, I'm an evangelist and I've got a pastor's heart. So wow. I'm honored to be called pastor. That's the title that I appreciate probably more than any other. What do I enjoy the most? I Organically, you put me in a room with 100 kids. Now I'm 60, almost 60, so they've stopped calling me to do youth camps. I've done hundreds of them. You put me in a room with a bunch of kids organically, historically, that's what I enjoyed the most. Right yeah. now, currently, put me in a room with people who are poised and ready to laugh. They've come wanting to laugh and let there be an electric comedy show with a, with a hook at the end with the gospel. Uh, I really enjoy it. There's hardly anything that I'm doing right now that I don't enjoy, to be honest. Yeah, that's good. I I like that. I like that. And, and, and I want to, I want to delve a little bit into, into the concept of art as evangelism. I know that you uh, wrote an article for avail art as evangelism. Talk to us a little bit about, about that concept. Cause again, some people are gifted for this. Some people are not gifted for this, but when you combine these and it's God driven, God ordained, it is a powerful thing, yeah. art and evangelism. Well, Jesus told stories everywhere he went and I'm sort of a storyteller. I made a mm-hmm. film called, um, aren't you somebody? It was based on actual events that happened in Thailand. We made it in Thailand in 2019, had a world premiere on March 19th, 2020. Uh, if you know anything about 2020, we had a little pandemic in North Carolina. <laughs> we got it all the way around the floor. And so we were on the front page of the paper. It was a, had red carpet, bought the tuxedos and the whole deal. And the day before, the, the governor shut all the theaters down. Hmm. So, um I just believe that um, that art is a powerful thing and that we can take the arts back from the wickedness that is surrounding the arts and yeah. tell a story. The film that I made, people, it's about trafficking. It's not a documentary. It's a story. And people think now that I'm an expert at trafficking, that's sort of the law of unintended <clears throat> consequences. And I just tell them I'm not an expert. I'm burdened by it like everybody mm-hmm. ought to be. I'm a storyteller. This is a story. Yeah. In uh, Chiang Rai, Thailand. And so um, art can be bait. You, we did uh, 100, I think 107 uh, shows as Ebenezer Scrooge in the last 11 years, four iterations of it, big productions with 100 people, Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. all the productions, the Christmas Carol experience. And then I started out doing a monologue called the Ebenezer Experience that grew into a fairly high production program. And we have done that in 41 cities, 11 states to 43,000 plus people. And 1,376 people have come to know Jesus because (laughs) prayed with Ebenezer Scrooge. It's pretty cool. So we do the show and I walk out on the stage and say, that's what happened to me one night in London, England. And I take a bow and I say, that was very kind of you. You may be seated. Would you mind terribly if I spoke in my native dialect? Good old Southern boy. How's everybody doing? (laughs) Five minutes and we go back to the thing they've just seen, how this life was transformed. It's a beautiful bridge to Dickens to say, I also was visited by a ghost in a nightclub. It was the Holy Ghost. And he told me, I love you, Joe. I got something better for you than this. And it's just a prayer away. And 1,300 people in federal penitentiaries, mega churches, rural churches, Appalachian churches. um, I'm not sure about Hispanic churches, but all kinds of churches. Mm. 
Jesus. So I, I love I love art as evangelism in that it's vague. It is um, it is something that builds camaraderie. The thing I miss being on staff of mega churches is when I was on staff of churches, we were pre- we were playing football. I mean, we were blocking, tackling, setting picks, moving to the basket. We were <laughs> But now as a, a 15-year evangelist, I'm playing tennis, man. I'm really just playing yeah. against the wall. I'm by myself hours and hours and hours a day. But when you put in the arts, there's a built-in camaraderie, the teamwork. And you've got kids and people, adults, who may not ever be on a football team. Right. But feel like they're a part of something. And when we go into a city, we'll utilize talent in the local venue. And they may not have a lot of talent. They may have great talent. But if the talent comes and gets on stage, you got four four rows of people <clears throat> will come and watch that that person that they know from the neighborhood. And then they'll mm-hmm. then we'll give their hearts to the Lord. And so there's a camaraderie. Art uh, also uh, is transcendent. It's all, mm. in, in that way, it's like the church. Um, in 517 years, I think, civilizations have risen and fallen. But 10 million people in 2019 stood in Paris at the Louvre and looked at the Mona Lisa. 517-year-old painting because good art transcends. I, I My buddy... Uh, from New Mexico, painted this picture and sent it to me. When he's dead, that piece of art will still be alive unless it gets caught in a fire. Wow. I just think, uh, I think churches miss it when they don't utilize art in a holy way. Yeah, that's good. Can you give maybe some practical advice, maybe even encouragement to, to people who who would consider themselves creatives, people who maybe have some artistic um, abilities or, or tendencies or leanings and, and how they can activate that. Like, like some, some advice, practical advice or encouragement in, in man, I, I feel like something's in me. I just don't know what, what to do or where to start. What are some thoughts you might give to somebody who says, Hey, what's some advice you have? Well, I think, first of all, it comes down to desire and delight. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll put a desire in your heart. And when that desire gets in there, then it's incumbent upon you and I to act upon it. And a lot of people don't act upon it um, for a variety of reasons. It may be ignorance. They don't know how to do it. Maybe fear. But you have to embrace the fact that it has to start somewhere. And Zachariah says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. The Lord Mm -hmm. is delighted to see the work begin. You just got to begin. The Ebenezer experience started with me walking out on stage and giving a soliloquy, a monologue. I memorized 500 lines and I thought, well, you know, I I don't want to do this three times a year. How can I leverage this? And it moved into uh, a tool to get people in a building. And so we started as a monologue and then it morphed into, you know, theaters in North Alabama and productions and all of that. But you gotta, you've got to delight, find out what the desire is and then not be afraid to start small and watch it grow. That's I like that. That's, that's great advice. Delight and desire and, uh, and don't despise small beginnings. Start, just start where you are. That's great advice. I, I want to transition 
into a novel that you wrote, a book that you wrote called Irrevocable, uh, which is, I would say it's very different than most of the books that we talk about here on the Avail podcast, which tend to be, you know, leadership books. And, uh, you know, there are some that are kind of experiential that, that are written by authors that have stories. But but your book, Irrevocable, is specifically a novel. Talk to us a little bit about the heart uh, and why the heart of Irrevocable and why you wrote it. Um, thank you. Great question. Irrevocable just kind of it's a story that just sort of came into my mind. Um, it's not. The film is based on actual events and real things that I know that happened in Thailand. This is a smorgasbord of experiences, and it's about following your calls. Based on Romans eleven twenty nine, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. It's about a, a young man who was doing phenomenal things until a torpedo hit his life. It's really a PG-13. This this is real and raw. It's got real life stuff in it. Wow. Murderous rage. Uh, addiction, um, immorality, adultery, and uh, and stuff that you have to navigate. So he he got hit by a missile and then ran for thirty years. And you just watch God chasing him um, all through the the novel until he is confronted with his divine assignment, his divine calling. And the feedback I'm getting from it, and I'm not trying to sell books on your podcast, but I'm just telling you this is a God thing. I had a bear hunting Appalachian pastor, former uh, bouncer in a bar, preaches with a little pistol in his front pocket every week. This is a man's man, six foot seven, Harley <laughs> rider. He called me crying a couple of months ago on a Friday. I thought his wife had died. I said, are you all right, pastor? He said, man, I tell you, I just finished your book and it wrecked me, man. I've been through a box of clean races. He said, I think it's the most important book I ever read in my life outside the Holy Bible. And that's what he said. And I'm wow. getting feedback from people who are non-readers. And it goes back to your previous question. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take this novel I've given to uh, Four Rivers. I don't know how many pages of ideas for the study guide we're going to meet tomorrow. I want to do a study guide because there are 51 biblical themes, biblical characters. It's not a mm. preachy, preachy kind of book, but it's kind yeah. of woven through there in a tapestry. And there's there's incredible material in this book that you can take a small group through. I don't know anybody that writes study guides for fiction. There's nothing new under the sun. I'm sure it's out there. I'm also going to take this and put it on stages. Ebenezer Scrooge handcuffs me to the month of December. It's hard to do it in April or, or July. But this, I'm going to, I'm in the process of writing a stage play. And we're going to put it in, in uh, on stages all around the country and hopefully one day around the world. To, to communicate the message that the call and gift is truly irrevocable. Quickly, another reason that I wrote it is because there's a labor shortage I hear in the ministry. People are getting out of the ministry because it's very difficult, very challenging. And um, you can have a labor shortage at McDonald's or Walmart, but we cannot have a labor shortage in the pulpit because the pulpit is in America. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't help but think there are more people than would probably admit it running from running from their calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and the calling is different. And you, you said it earlier, everybody's calling is not the same. Um, not everybody's called to vocational ministry, but but everybody's called by God yeah. for something. Can you can you unpack that a little bit? I mean, why, why do you think? Why is it? Why is it that often? And, and by the way, these stories intrigue us, right? Yeah. 
Why is it that so often people find themselves running from God's calling for their life? Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? Avail is excited to announce that for a limited time, you can get a free six-month trial subscription to the Avail Journal. The Avail Journal was created to equip and empower leaders with everything they need to excel. Read quarterly issues and pick up leadership wisdom from high-impact leaders like Sam Chand, John Maxwell, Tim Tebow, and dozens more. Take the first step in becoming a more effective leader. Sign up for your free six-month trial subscription to the Avail Journal by visiting availjournal.com. My, I have four children, two grandchildren, one that's due any minute. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so my son, my oldest son, is an entrepreneur and a pastor. And he said, Dad, a year or two ago, he said, Dad, who do you know? I've been to 235 churches in the last 15 years. Who do you know that really wakes up passionate for the ministry? They just love it. If they could do something, they would not do it because they love it. And, you know, that was a great question. I started going through my mental Rolodex. And hmm. this guy said he's got a mega church and he says, he, he loves it, but he but he's bored all, all the time because his staff isn't funny. He has no fun. And this guy mm. has an issue. And this lady uh, is successful, but is maybe insecure, whatever. And um, people run from their calling because of the parable of the sower, the cares and difficulties of life. That's what's in this book. This guy gets sabotaged. He's got a bored Three of them are selfish ambition guys, and two of them are godly, holy guys, and and the three uh, the three win. And so, when pastors go through those difficult challenges, they get prison shanked. They sit. They have people that say, "We're not getting fed. We're going down the road," and, mm. and it hurts not just because they're leaving, but you sat with them. In yeah. the grandmother's hospital room, you got their teenage kid into a drug rehab. You counseled with them and yep. their marriage, and nobody's allowed to ever know about that. And then when they that is right in the side. <laughs> and so, you know, I I prayed this. I went through the divorce of my parents at fifteen, and I went through a church split when I was thirty. The split was more painful. Wow! And I would pray things to God. God, I know your call is irrevocable, but would you please revoke it for me? Did you make an exception? I don't need this. I can sell State Farm insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm's there. I can move the product. I know I can. I sell beach umbrellas. Never have money, but I'll always have a tan. I was praying that kind of thing. And yeah. the voice of the bird in the nightclubs spoke to me a, a scripture reference. I think it was Psalm 66, 12, driving down the interstate, driving through Florida, up, up around Ocala. And I heard the, the Lord say that, and I, I opened the Bible, and the verse before it was underlined, the verse below it was highlighted. This wasn't even starred, but it says, you've been through the fire, and you've been through the water, and I've let men ride over your head, but I'm bringing you to a place of abundance. So they can run for a variety of reasons, but if they can just hear the voice and be faithful and not compare themselves, like Peter was trying to compare himself with John, and Jesus said, that's none of your business. You follow me. If they can just follow the Lord and be faithful, they'll have satisfaction. That's good. That's great. You know, you mentioned something that left me thinking. Um, you mentioned that there was a point in your life where you had to kind of pause and kind of figure out, am I a, you know, am I a pastor with an evangelistic heart or am I an, an evangelist with a pastor's heart? And 
and then also an artist and, you know, all this stuff. And you said that you landed on you're an evangelist with a pastor's heart. And, and my question for you is how, how did that, how did that look? I mean, I'm assuming this wasn't in one hour that you prayed and this came to you. Um, it might've been a process or maybe it was quick. I don't know, but how does somebody, how does somebody take steps towards discovering and figuring out how God wired them and why? The word that comes to mind is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith moves mountains. And faith is the shield that we pick up that quenches the fiery darts of hell. Faith is so critical. And people sometimes don't respond to their God-given creativity because of the faith issue. Mm -hmm. so it took me two years, Pastor, two wow. years at the river to decide wow. the answer to that question. But <laughs> once I decided it, I told my board on a Wednesday— I told my church on a Sunday, on Friday in between Wednesday and Sunday. Now, this was before uh, the Affordable Health Care Act. My wife had some serious health issues. There's no way we could have gotten insurance. So it was a huge decision for me. I didn't know how yeah. to do it. And um, on that Friday, I got a call from a large church in Charlotte. I'd had coffee one time with the pastor. That's it. He said, we want to have a staff evangelist. We want you to come. We want to put you in an office, put your kids in Christian school, give you very quality health care insurance, give you a wow. high salary, and then you just turn in your offerings until you can get some momentum. And on that same Friday, a man who had stopped and said, I love your house. You're never going to sell it, are you? I said, yeah, actually, next Thursday would be a good day for me to sell it. So <laughs> So, but you once you make the decision and you swing your leg out of the boat because you heard the Lord say, well, come on. And you start walking on the water, but you got to, it takes faith to swing your leg out of the boat. Wow. And wow. so we, we operate in this tension, this juxtaposition. If you're going to go to war, you better see, you better count your soldiers. If you're going to build a building, you better count the cost. You better be smart about it or come on. Walk on the water when it doesn't make an ounce of sense. So wow. Fundamental principle that I have is Proverbs 16. In a man's heart, he plans his way, but it's the Lord that determines steps. So be circumspect, good old King James word. Be deliberate. Be, be listening. And then uh, have a plan. And be ready for him to call an audible at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Yeah, I hear there, man plans, God determines. Um, you know, it's funny because I literally had a conversation yesterday with a, with a very close friend um, kind of walking through this challenge of feeling a call to, <laughs> to vocational ministry, but, but wanting all the I's to be dotted, all the T's to be crossed, and all of the ducks in a row. And I just said, that's not, that's not how this works usually. Right. You're right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, this is great. I think this conversation is, <laughs> it's, it's helping me right now. So I, I'm enjoying this, Joe. Um, here's, here's another thought, another thought, because again, you, you're a man who has had, you're, you've been multifaceted, right? From pastoring, evangelizing, um, acting and using any and all tools and resources uh, to share the message of the gospel. Um, really your heart, I mean, your life has really been surrounded 
around serving the Lord. Uh, here, uh, the question I want to ask you is: What's something you wish you would have known before you began this, you know, this journey in ministry and, and leadership and influence? Um, if you, as you think back, um, what's Early something you wish you would have known? I wish I would have known that it is possible to really operate in joy. Because when I started, it was uh, pretty intense staff reports and two pages of what you've done for God, conferences, meetings, what your, what's your weight, what's your wife doing for God. And it, and it was really heavy. But, yeah. I, but I'd been a Christian for 11 minutes, basically. I mean, I've been born again for three and a half years and go to this enormously large church, not knowing you know, hardly anything about the ministry. I went to Bible college. We didn't have youth ministry classes. So when I got in it, I just thought, this is, this is, this is it. This is what it is. <laughs> but, but, but then later I found out, yeah, ministry is hard, but you can really have joy and nobody can take it away from you and you got to stop giving it away. So I wish I'd, I would have understood joy in those first few years a little more than I did. did and I, I know now. Yeah. Based on that, what are maybe two or three practical um, suggestions to maybe a, to a young leader in the church right now on how they can have joy in the ministry as opposed to, uh, to not? Yeah. You got to understand your why and you can't men who are at, who are athletic, who, men are, who are not athletic, all men are competitive. And so, if you're going to compare yourself to the dude down the street or the lady over here, uh, that's a recipe for um, heartbreak. Yep. One thing an older minister told me, he pastors 6,000 people in this area, and he came into a small group of ministry leaders, seven, eight, nine of us. When he walked in, it was like a general walked in. We had no idea why he was even there. And he said, fellas, I have learned in my life, he's probably in his 70s, that I can't do anything for God unless I sit and wait on him two hours a day. And he said, huh. Boys, when I say wait, I'm not talking about reading my Bible, preparing a sermon or praying. I'm talking about sitting in front of the Lord quietly while every thought in my mind jumps like monkeys from branch to branch and everything in my flesh says, get up and do something. And so there's something that stuck with me about that. And I started that practice immediately. Now, not two hours. I've never gotten there. I've gotten to maybe an hour, 30 minutes, 22 minutes, but just sitting before the Lord. And he quoted the scripture from Isaiah. I'm waiting on you to wait on me. And uh, if we wait upon the Lord, we renew our strength and we can run the race, the ministry race, not be where we will walk with the Lord and not faint if we wait. It's been a very helpful discipline for me for the last few years to just wait on him. And it's amazing. And, and what I do, a tip for a young minister or Christian, is I take some, uh, I take a, a, a post-it notepad and uh, I'll write down, if, if I'm sitting there and I'm just, you know, I lit, lit a candle, I'm listening to some sacred music and it pops in my head, get your dry cleaning. Well, instead of dwelling on that, I'll just, I can do it with my eyes closed, just write down dry cleaning and stick it on the wall. And, and, and I won't think about it again. And then in 30 minutes, I just take it off the wall and put it in my to-do list. Mm. Yeah. Just sitting in God's presence. I love it. I love it. This uh, insight is helpful 
because learning from people who are a little further down the journey and uh, have some good advice, I think is always wise. I think that's biblical. So thank you for pouring out some wisdom. I want to do before, before we tell people how they can connect with you, how they can get your book and all that. I want to, I want to do a quick little lightning round. Is that okay with you? Just a quick, quick, quick first thing that comes to your mind that, you know, um, response. Okay. So first one is, is there, is there a, an online resource or an app that's helping you in life right now? Oh, online resource or app. Great question for a younger man. I, you know, I just use the, I just use the Bible stuff that everybody uses, you know, Bible gateway and beautiful. I, I walked a hundred miles on the Appalachian trail as a fundraiser in October in seven days. And the Under Armour app, was a tremendous help to me to know what my elevation was and, and beautiful. And, uh, yeah, that was a big help. But as far as spiritual help, leadership help, uh, I'm going to look forward to listening to the veil podcast. I'm listening right now to, um, the, the um, audible, you know, uh-huh. because I drive, I'm going to drive Friday nine hours to Baltimore and I can, yes, I can get through books. I'm listening to a book about Da Vinci a great artist, brilliant. Uh, and, uh, and I'm listening to a book about a guy whose wife died and he walked the Appalachian trail. So that's well, great. You answered my second question. I was going to ask you what's a book. Cause I know Irrevo- irrevocable is great, but what's another book? So you just answered that one. Okay. Here's another one. Is there a, is there a ministry organization or leader that you're learning from currently? I try to have mentors in my life. And I'm going to try to have mentors. Um, and even if I'm 90, you know, I want someone, speak into my life. And I have two or three. One of them is my friend, Dr. Mark Rutland. And uh, he, he's been a, a valuable source. His books, uh, we've, we've been to Asia together. We've ministered in conferences together. And I watch his life and he inspires me greatly. And then there's another guy out in Arkansas, a pastor named James Longmate. He's, he's 73, got that Arkansas bro. We love Joe Phillips. We love him. And he's a marathon runner. <laughs> having just run a half marathon in the seventies and he inspired <laughs> those two guys come to my mind. That's great. That's great. What makes you laugh? What makes you laugh? I'm listening to a new comic that I stumbled upon named Nate Bargatze. Uh-huh. He is absolute joy. I, no cussing, you know, and silly stuff like that. Uh, good comics make me laugh. I, I don't care for the blue comics. That, but they're, you know, they're geniuses. And that's one yeah, yeah, yeah. of use comedy. You, you can use comedy to, to sell a very negative message because people, when they laugh, they open themselves up, you know, yep. like a, yep. a medicine. And so you, we try to use it for positive as well. But the, the laughter from a comic is medicine. It's an Advil. But the joy that comes from God is a very strong medicine. It's like chemo. I mean, it is. <laughs> Do you have a good joke for us that you could tell us? Oh man, I just have bits that are based on uh, <laughs> based on real life. I I, can, I I don't have a joke like a pre-planned joke, but I can tell you if you're interested. I was really debating whether to to uh, write this this script because I'm a menace. I'm a youth pastor. I'm a old youth gnarly youth pastor at heart. Uh-huh. And God put this desire in me in 2015 to write a movie script. I, I'm not a thespian. I hadn't been in a movie or on stage since high school. I was in, in Oklahoma. My character's name was Slim. A lot has changed since those days, book. So I'm, 
I, I interviewed a guy in Atlanta, hired a video crew, gave the video to my administrative assistant. She gave me 14 pages of single-spaced uh, notes from the interview, transcribed it. I'm driving up to a cabin in North Carolina with some big post-it notes. I'm like, what am I doing, God? What am I doing? I don't understand this. I'll never really see any benefit. it take years, spiritually or otherwise, to get benefits. Please take this out of my heart. And as I'm praying that, I know this is a clean podcast, but... I had to stop immediately. Usually my bladder sends my brain you know, <laughs> a memo, an email. Hey, fat boy, you've got to stop five minutes. But I got no email. I got no text message. I'm in the middle of my prayer. Stop. I jump out of my truck. It's misting rain. It's a big swath of gravel on this curve in the mountains where your front meets your back, you know, and every. And I, I jump out and I'm running around the back of my truck and I heard the voice, the same voice I heard in the nightclub. And it was said, it said, I've got a, a message for you in that trash pile. And I looked to my right, there's this four foot trash pile. And that's a weird thing to, to hear and a weird time to hear it. Uh-huh. And so uh, I took care of a transaction. I came out of the woods and I walk over the trash pile. There's a little misting rain going on. And on top of that trash pile, there was an open hymnal. And it was to, open to a hymn I'd never heard. And it said, endure to the end. When I got back in my truck, from that moment to this, I never doubted if I was supposed to do that. So that's not a joke, but a little humor in it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. Joe Phillips, you are a unique leader. I like this. <laughs> I want to I wanna help people connect with you, Joe. I want to help people find you. What's the best way they can find you? How can they get the book if they want to get Irrevocable, the novel? Um, um, and- we'll, send a, we'll send a code. There's a... There are different ways to do it. My administrative assistant, she's in Colorado at a funeral. And so we we were looking through how to do this earlier. And there's a phone number and it's uh, 8877. Uh, I don't have best way to get in touch with me is Joe at Joe Phillips Ministries. Joe at Joe Phillips Ministries dot com. Send me an email. Joe Phillips Ministries dot com. That's my that's my website. You can go to aren't you somebody, A-R-E-N-T-Y-O-U, somebody.com and get the movie for free. The Inspiration Network has it. I've given it to them. I, I want to just get it far and wide. If you'll send me an email, we'll send you a, you know, a code and an easy way to obtain the book. And I hope you do get it. And I hope it, if you, if you like fiction at all, and even if you don't, I think uh, there's a message in there that will, will move the needle for you. Yeah, that's great. You heard it, everybody. JoePhillipsMinistries.com is the website. Joe Phillips with a double L Ministries.com. You can also write Joe an email by writing to Joe at JoePhillipsMinistries.com. And then I think you mentioned aren't you somebody.com. Yeah. 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 Aren't you somebody.com. No possible. Just just aren't you somebody.com. I'm on Facebook. You can follow me on Joe Phillips Ministries. Instagram is just Joe Phillips. Excellent. This has been awesome, Joe. Uh, before we finish off, um, I wanted, I also want to mention about the Avail Journal. We just believe in having good resources for leaders. The Avail Journal, uh, which you're familiar with, uh, this is something we offer. Uh, Avail listeners and viewers, if you're not subscribing yet, the first year is on us. We'll give you a year for free. If you go to availjournal.com, you can claim your free annual subscription. Um, would you agree, Joe, that having resources helps you in life? Oh, yeah. I love it. I really love that that journal. Yes, sir. Um, can you can you leave us with maybe a final thought, a final nugget for all the people leaning in right now, Joe? 
I will leave you with this. Um, there is nothing greater in life than fulfilling your God-given destiny. And if you don't know what that is, just sit in front of him and listen. When I went to a therapist, and there's no shame in the game, in my opinion, of going to good spirit-filled Christian mm-hmm. therapy, she told me, she told me uh, after hearing my story, she said, you have d- dissociative attachment, some kind of a disorder. She said, I've, I've never met anybody in my practice with that disorder that had a normal relationship in adulthood. The fact that you have so many means that you're a miracle, which wow. tells me that God loves to use the foolish things of this world mm. to confound the wise. And I was an illegitimate child, found my dad at 30 through a private investigator. And, and uh, I, I just thought as a young man that being illegitimate, that I'm not legitimately called. Who, how can mm. God use someone like that? And there's a man in the book I use, I tip my cap to his name, Chuck Wood, a good godly deacon who told me, he said, Josie, call me Josie. I don't know why. He said, Josie, haven't you ever heard that we were all conceived in iniquity? And that set me free. And God wants to use you no matter what your background and what, what are your past, no matter what your mistakes. Wow. I want you to walk in. Woo. Drop the mic. Boom. Joe Phillips the speaker, the author, the comedian, the actor. Here he is. That's good, Joe. On behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, Martin Van Tilburg, our whole Avail team, uh, Joe, we, we honor you and we thank God for your life. We bless you and we're excited to see how he continues to use you, your life, your story to make an impact on this world. Thanks for being a guest. Thank you. The honor is mine. Thank you. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for leaning in. What a great conversation here with Joe Phillips talking a little bit about, about Christianity, life, arts, leadership, sharing the gospel in creative ways. This has been awesome. Um, we talk leadership, we talk life. That's what we do here on the Avail Podcast. My name is Virgil Sierra, your host, lead pastor of Vertical Church, aka Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. We are one church, two languages. And I'm your host every week for a new episode that's fresh and hot right here on the Avail Podcast. Remember to lean in, availjournal.com to get your free annual subscription and uh, everything else at, at theartofleadership.com. Thanks for joining us. I can't wait to see you next time right here on the Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail Podcast with our guest, Joe Phillips. You can find out more about Joe on social media and by going to joephillipsministries.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.